In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I want to assure you that what I am about to describe has never happened here among all of you at Living Christ, uh, but it has happened to me before, and I don't think that it will surprise any of you. Uh, Believe it or not, I have been standing somewhere like this, giving a sermon like this, uh, only to look out into the assembly of believers and find someone sleeping. And there are usually a number of telltale signs that it's coming. I can usually tell that it's uh, on its way. You know, first it starts with a few yawns, then the eyes begin to droop, uh, the head begins to nod, the spouse begins to nudge, and by that point they are out. And, and when it happens, and it has happened, uh, I am not offended nor surprised. I, I think I'm self-aware enough to know that every one of my little talks with you does not wow uh, or, or leave you in shock and, and awake. I, I also know that we are busy people, very often tired, and we'll, we'll catch a few minutes of sleep wherever and uh, however we can get it. So I am not surprised. I am not offended. Uh, but every once in a while I have to laugh because a few times I have been standing at the back of the church, as I do here, shaking hands, when one of those sleepy-eyed parishioners has come up to me, crust still there, uh, eyes still drooping, bruises on the arm from the nudging of the spouse, and they have shook my hand and told me, great message, what a wonderful sermon you gave, love to hear it today, and uh, moments like that I just have to laugh. Uh, But I'm actually not here today to talk to you about the sin of sleeping during the sermon. In fact, I don't know if it's a sin to sleep during a sermon. There's no chapter and verse on that, so I'll let you wrestle with God about it uh, because I know anything a pastor like me would say about that particular discussion probably doesn't carry too much weight. You know what I might think. So I'm not here to discuss with you today on whether it's a sin to sleep during a sermon to not, but what God does tell us and what we do need to talk about today is the problem of sleeping through life. You see, God does not want us to simply sleepwalk, spiritually sleepwalk through life. And and that's why so many times in our reading for today, we heard him say things like, be alert or watch out or be on guard. Or in many translations, it's put quite simply, stay awake. (laughs) Because God does not want us to sleep our way through life, which which is very easy for, for it to happen to us, isn't it? And, and I think we all have to admit we're guilty of it, whether it's for a few days or for most of us probably a little bit longer, a few months, maybe even years, maybe even decades have passed by where we have just been spiritually sleepwalking through life. And it happens for a lot of reasons. Uh, sometimes we, we sleep through life because life is hard. <laughs> And, and we're just trying to keep up with all of the problems. Someone is sick or, or there's financial difficulties or, or, or we're dealing with an addiction or a loved one who has passed away and maybe we're angry with God and we've shoved him away and put him in a corner and, and eventually time goes by and we have just been sleepwalking through life. Other times it happens just because we're busy, right? There are bills to pay and, and kids to feed, a whole home to take care of, uh, a church to attend to and, and in all that busyness we forget about God and and we go through the motions. And and other times it happens uh, because life is going really well. (laughs) 
And, and sometimes it's out of our abundance that we become drowsy because the, the career is on the right path and the kids are happy and healthy and, and we have the car in the driveway that we would like and it's easy in those moments to, to forget about how much we need God and, and so we slowly begin to nod our heads and fall asleep spiritually. But today, Jesus reminds us that he wants us to stay awake, be on guard, watch out. And, and I think that is the case across the board, spiritually speaking. But today, Jesus has one event in mind that he wants us to stay awake for, one major event that he does not want us to miss out on. And that's the event of his return. Now, Jesus has been alluding to it, talking about it for the last few weeks in our readings in Mark 12 and, and 13. Uh, but today he comes out and says it quite clearly. Jesus is coming back. The same Lord who walked this earth and healed on this earth and rose from this earth and who is now sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven, that Jesus, our King, is coming back here. And he does not want you to miss it. And so he says, stay awake, be on guard, watch out. Now there is one problem though. Uh, in our talk today, uh, what's commonly referred to as the end of the world, the return of Jesus, there's one problem that I've found as I've thought about it myself or as I've talked to other people and, and taught about it, there's one problem in this whole discussion revolving the return of Jesus and the end of the world. And the problem is not with Jesus and the problem is not that he's returning. The problem is with our perception of it, what we think about it. And, and here's what I mean. Have you ever had a discussion with someone and you're sharing some really good news? Maybe you're sharing something you're really happy about, you can't wait to talk about. Maybe you're even bragging or boasting a little bit. You're sharing some good news, but the person you're talking to hears that news as bad news. Have you ever experienced that? Uh, this will happen to me every once in a while. Uh, when, when people ask me what I did over the weekend or on my day off, uh, I'll share what I'm really excited about. I went for a really long run. And you all know that that is something I enjoy doing. Uh, I, I find it to be relaxing, as strange as that might be. I really, really look forward to it. And so I'll, I'll, be, I'll happily share. Yeah, I went for this really long run, went out for an hour or two. But, but sometimes the, the person that I'm telling it to will, will look at me with this very confused look on their face. Like, why would you ever do that? Was someone chasing you? Oh my goodness, the police aren't after you, are they? Uh, th they'll hear my good news is bad news. Or maybe you've experienced this, some of you, who are parents or grandparents or have nieces and nephews, uh, maybe one of those grandkids or kids, they'll ask you, well, what did you do this weekend? And, and you'll tell them about your amazing weekend. You'll say, well, Friday night, uh, I was at home, we watched Wheel of Fortune, read a book, uh, went to bed. Saturday, kind of the same, cooked a good meal, watched a movie on the couch, and I was in bed by 8 o'clock. It was so great. And Maybe your grandkids look at you with this panicked look on your face like, is this what it looks like to be old? What's wrong with you, Grandma? Go have some fun. You need some money. Is that the problem? Can I lend you $10? Do you not have any friends to talk to? Why would you waste a perfectly good weekend at home by yourself? And you're sharing this because it's what you chose to do. You looked forward to it all week, but they hear it as bad news. And maybe you've experienced that before, but I find that to be the case very often when we talk about the return of Jesus. Jesus means it to be good news. In fact, he tells us about his return and for us it is the best of news. But sometimes we hear it 
as bad news. Sometimes we think about the end of the world and the return of Jesus and it fills us with fear. Like, what is that going to look like and, 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 and how will that be for us? Or, or maybe we're just confused and, and apprehensive about it because there's a lot of confusion or questions that we might have. Or maybe we're filled with guilt because, oh no, our righteous, perfect judge is coming and I have a whole lot of sin. And what is that judge going to say about that sin? What is he going to do about that sin? Sometimes we hear this good news about the end of the world, but, but we're scared or apprehensive or filled with guilt. But Jesus today tells us that he's coming back. And for us as his people, it is meant to be the best of news. Because you see, brothers and sisters, what it means is, is that help and hope and salvation are on the way. And, and I don't know about you, but there is a piece of me with everything going on in our world, with, with the earthquakes and fires and awful terror attacks and, and the sicknesses that afflict people. There is a piece of me that just longs for someone who could show up and do something, right? Who doesn't just talk, but who has the power to shake things up and get things done, and, and I think there's a piece of each of us that longs for someone with that power, with that kind of control, who can change the world for the good. And, and Jesus is telling that that person is coming. It's him. <laughs> and our hope, hope and our help and our salvation are on the way. And the brokenness that we sense deep down inside of our souls and that we see in the world around us, that that brokenness will be put back together. And the work that Jesus started on the cross and continued from the tomb, the work that he is continuing on amongst his people today slowly but surely one day that work will be finished completed once and for all no more earthquakes no more fires no more terrible shootings no more death no more sin none of it jesus is coming back our savior and our king and that is a glorious day that will be the best of days and Jesus tells us today that he does not want us to miss it. So be watchful, be on guard, keep your eyes open, don't fall asleep, do whatever you gotta do because this is not an event you wanna miss. Now, the hard part with it is that none of us knows when that day will be. Jesus has not sent out save the dates for the day of his return uh, as much as we might want him to. Uh, in fact, Jesus says today the angels don't know when that day will be. In fact, he says he doesn't know when that day will be because the Father is taking care of it, so no one else needs to worry uh, about it. And, and while we don't know when that day will be, Jesus has said there are certain signs. And when these signs come, we will know that the day is getting closer. And that's kind of like, for some of you, maybe you can remember when you were a child waiting for mom or dad to come home at the end of the day, right? I, I remember this uh, for myself, uh, waiting for my dad to come home from, for work. There were certain signs. We didn't know exactly when he'd walk in the door, but we could tell when, when, the, when the time was getting closer. First, there would be a phone call. My dad always called to say, I'm on my way. And, and then maybe we would see or hear the car coming down the street. And then we'd hear the front door slam. We heard footsteps making their way to the house. We'd hear the screen door opening. At that point, we knew that the moment was soon. Dad was almost home. And, and Jesus has said today that there are certain signs we can watch for to know that his return is imminent. Uh, some of them 
are scary, which I, I think is maybe why Jesus clues us in on it. He said the world will be darkened, the stars will fall from the sky, the moon will be shut off. He's already talked in the past few weeks, as we've heard, about afflictions and persecutions. And, and Jesus tells us all, all that again, not to scare us, but, but so that we would look at those signs, as scary as they might be, and, and we would see them for what they are, as signs telling us that hope and help are on the way, so that we would see those signs and not react with fear, but with joy and peace, knowing that our Savior is coming and the day won't be long. Jesus is returning, brothers and sisters, and he says, do not miss it. Be on guard. Watch for it. Stay awake. As I thought about that this week, though, I I struggled with it uh, because I know what it's like to have to stay awake in this world. There are certain things that all of us can do If we're trying to stay up late for Black Friday shopping or to get some work done, right? You can splash yourself with water. You can go for a quick walk in the cold Chicago air. Uh, You could drink some caffeine. All of those things will help you stay awake. And if the person next to you is sleeping during the sermon, there are certain things you can do to wake them up, right? It usually starts with a nudge. If that doesn't work, you might slap their leg. After that, you might whisper in their ear like, psst, wake up! But, But how do we... How do we keep ourselves awake spiritually, right? And how do we keep each other awake as the, the family of Christ? What does that look like? Uh, I struggled with that this week. But, but I do think there are three things that Christians throughout history have done in order to be watchful and on guard, in order to keep our eyes wide open for this great and glorious day that's coming. And the three things are as simple as simple can be. You've heard them throughout your life. You heard me talk about them before, but I I think they're so simple that they can easily get lost in in the shuffle and it's easy to fall asleep uh, for them. The first thing that Christians can do in order to stay awake is pray. Because it's so easy to just go through the motions uh, of life and, and the busyness of life and with the worries of life and to fall asleep spiritually. And the act of praying is the act of, of splashing some cold water on our face, right? To wake ourselves up. Uh, the act of praying is, is to open up our eyes to the bigger, grander, greater worlds that is out there. It, it is to recognize that there is a God who, who is bigger and stronger than my problems, who listens to my cries and who acts on behalf of his people. And so in order to stay awake to the the spiritual world around us, we, we pray. We, we talk and cry out and give thanks to our glorious God. Uh, the second thing we do as Christians is we, we spend time in his word, whether that's reading his word or listening to his word. And, and, and again, uh, we have such easy access to the word, Bibles in our world today. It's on our phones and, and on our computers. Uh, we probably have several in our home. There's probably hundreds here in, in this church, and yet it's easy to fall asleep spiritually. And, and God wants us to stay awake. And, and spending time in that word is one of the ways that we do that, to be guided by his ways, to be molded into his image, to be challenged when we need to be challenged in our sin, and to be comforted when we need to be comforted. And, and so I would challenge you uh, to, to continue to spend time in his word, whether it's five minutes before you go to bed because that's the only time of peace and quiet you have or whether it's 10 minutes on your commute that you listen through to the word through some app on your phone, whatever it is, spend some time in God's word listening to him in order to stay awake and alert to the things of God. And, and then the final thing, the third thing besides prayer and, and scripture is to do what we're doing today. Uh, gathering together with Christians, 
Because we all nod off and we all drift away into dreamland and sometimes we need that nudge or that slap on that leg or that whisper in the ear and, and sometimes that only comes from the people around us and so we need to be surrounded by other Christians who will challenge us when we need to be challenged or comfort us when we need to be ch- comforted and so I would encourage you pray and spend time in God's word and keep on gathering together with his people in order to stay awake. See, brothers and sisters, I still don't know whether it's a sin to sleep during a sermon. That's for you to talk about with God maybe later this afternoon. But what I do know is that Jesus is coming back and he does not want you to miss it. So stay awake. In Jesus' name, amen.